Welcome, welcome to the hard skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku. I work with leaders in healthcare research, STEM, and other technical fields who want to develop an authentic leadership identity and create a healthy, inclusive workplace environment to retain the best people doing the best work. And that means developing the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. Now, this season, we are exploring the first stage of my strategic leadership pathway model, Facing Uncertainty. And today, we are talking with Rob Fazio about how to use subtle strength and motivational capital to navigate nebulous organizational politics. One of the things I know is that navigating the stress of bad behavior, especially bullies, in the workplace is probably one of the most stressful experiences and the thing that we often get asked to help uh, most with, with leaders, right? Now, we um, value evidence-based practical solutions. I don't want you watching this or listening to this passively. I want you to reflect deeply on what we talk about. I want you to take notes. I do. And identify at least one small step to further develop your hard skills muscle. So let me introduce Rob Fazio. He is a leadership advisor and author of the Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Bully Proof, Using Subtle Strength to Influence Alphas and Strengthen Society. It is a good book. He advises elite performers, including surgeons, C-suite executives, lawyers, and wealth managers. His advice on navigating turbulent times and politics has been featured in the New York Times and on CNN, Fox News Channel, MSNBC, and other local networks. He's also the founder and president of a September 11th inspired nonprofit, Hold the Door for Others. And the mission is to empower people to grow through loss and adversity and achieve their dreams. He and I also know each other from being members of the Society of Consulting Psychology. So welcome, Rob. Glad to have you on board here. Mir, it's great to see you. I'm delighted to have this conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So tell me, first question, the most obvious on my mind is why bullying? How did you get interested in bullying? Why did you decide to write an entire book about it? Yeah. You know, it's funny as as psychologists, people always ask like, what was your path? how did you get there? And, um, you know, uh, we pride ourselves on self-awareness. However, I wasn't as aware until I got through the book and started doing podcasts and media spots on really what my my path was. And uh, upon reflection, I realized a lot of it stemmed from uh, my dad being executive in, in New York City and working for a very dysfunctional, dominant CFO. Uh, and at the end of the day, he had a long commute. I could see him very stressed. He'd be quiet. He never complained about it, but my mom being a nice Sicilian from Northern New Jersey always did complain about it. Um, but as a kid, I saw that. Now I had a, I had a great childhood, but I saw the impact of my dad's boss and work on him over, over 20 or th- 25 years. And I kept thinking it shouldn't be this way, right? There should be a way for people to work and make money and be family people and not have to suffer at work. And I think that was the catalyst for me wanting to work with business people and leaders and even, and even athletes. And, um, and then as I started doing the work, um, not by my design, I developed a niche of working with these strong personalities, helping to turn them around, 
um, and also helping people that are on the receiving end to protect themselves and others. Yeah, you know what? Um, I actually remember my my mom going through the same thing. Um, one of her bosses were, was just awful. She'd come home with these stories and I'd be like, this is the worst, you know, yeah. and it really affects. So you, you don't even think about this, but it doesn't just affect you alone. It affects your family because the family's upset for you when you're going through this, right? Absolutely. And that's, you know, I, I guess that's kind of the little secret here. I mean, a lot of us that do this work, um, we're really making the world our therapy room, right? So we want to work with the leaders and build our business. But but really, kind of the side door of all this is we want to create well better well-being at home. It's a big cycle. And uh, just like we talk about organizational climate or how a leader walks into a room, how that's contagious. Well, when people leave work, and now it's a little bit different, when they leave their office or kitchen table and shut off the laptop, um, they're bringing a lot of what they've experienced. And I've just seen so many people suffer physically, psychologically, financially. And that does have an impact on your parenting and being a partner. And quite frankly, it's it's really sad to see people suffer through that. Yeah, yeah. And you really don't think about that piece as like a wellness piece that affects your entire life, not just work world, right? So yes. um, why is it so challenging for so many people to... Um, to be around bullying behavior. Like why, why can't we just be like, um, who cares? Whatever. That's a, yeah. that's a bully. It's not going to affect me. I'm just going to keep going on with my life. You know, why is it so challenging for all of us? I think that there are, I think there are some people that are just built that way um, or leave the situation because they can and are able to. I think the large majority of us, whatever anyone says, really get impacted by dysfunctional bullying uh, behavior. And I think it's so difficult is because it hurts, right? It's an emotional wound. Why would someone treat me that way? Especially if I'm working and there should be some sort of a psychological contract at work, right? I treat you well, I do work, therefore you treat me well, you pay me and all, all should be good. Um, but unfortunately, not all human beings are wired that way. And um, I think because another damaging part is historically these types of behaviors being overly directive or um, getting ahead by putting someone else down because you're the best salesperson or or whatever um, has been reinforced. And so then people start to feel powerless. The more powerless they feel, the more space they can be filled by a bully. And then it just creates a more, even more and more vicious cycle. And it's, it it can become defeating. Yeah. Now that's an interesting um, dynamic. If you think about um, what could powerlessness lead to, right? For some of us, um, we feel beaten down and then we don't try as hard, right? And our performance, um, you know, is affected and our mood is affected. And we might even, you know, end up uh, and ending up having a mental health condition as a result, depression or anxiety, or yes. even PTSD, right? This could be traumatizing for some people, depending sure. on the, the severity. For others, um, you know, 
my guess is there's, there's some people that use that powerlessness to gain power over others and they might end up becoming the bully. And I'm sort of just curious, like, is it ever possible that we might be the bullies that we don't want in our own lives? Uh, absolutely. So there's so much wisdom in what you just said. Um, a couple things come to mind. Um, one, um, there does become a vicious cycle. So someone who's on the receiving end of being bullied is more likely to demonstrate those behaviors if they go into power. Um, there's something about that, that where they've seen another person do that, or they, go in one of two ways. They'll say they'll never treat someone that way, or they feel that's the way to treat people in order to get ahead. And as they get more positional power, they do more mistreating of others, which creates that cycle. And so that's why it's so important to break that cycle. Um, you know, one of the ways I start off talking about bullying is is, is talking about the Unibomber and how he was a student at Harvard. And there were these psychological um, tests back then on tormenting and torturing students to see how they'd react. So he became disenfranchised and hated the scholars and hated academia. That's an extreme example, but the same thing happens in the workplace, right? If someone is treated a certain way at a younger age and that's never processed or they don't have what we call a corrective emotional experience, right? Um, no one, not many people want to help the bully. And, and it creates them, creates a system where they're isolated. And the only thing they have left to do is continue to behave in that manner. Yeah. And not to get um, into politics, but there's a long, long history in the world of um, the, you know, some oppressed people becoming oppressors themselves to gain power. Yeah. And it's a really, really complicated issue um, in, in, um, in the, in those kind of situations, right? It, it is. And, you know, I mean, um, let's be honest, we really can't avoid politics as much as it's taboo to talk about and stuff. Uh, my, my view is it doesn't matter what side you're on. You have to be aware of how we're bullied by politicians, right? Um, we know a lot more about neuroscience and how we let ourselves get triggered and then become more biased and double down. That's why we're so divided right now. So I see that happening. Also, you know, politicians aren't going to admit this, but that's how they get ahead because they shut down conversations, they push us around, um, and then we fall into kind of an, an avoid or attack situation, which shuts down dialogues and conversations. You hit the nail on the head. And um, it's actually the reason that I ended up deciding to read your book is I just kept thinking about this bullying behavior that I saw in politics and wondered, like, what is this about and how do we manage now? when I feel like I'm seeing more bullying behavior that, you know, more than ever before with people in power. And um, that's actually what led me to want to read your book is like some insights. So um, we're, we're, uh, I'm going to put a pause there and we're reaching up uh, on uh, a break. So uh, just as a reminder, everybody, you're listening to the hard skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronco and our guest, Rob Fazio. The Hard Skills airs live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. If you would like to join us online and ask questions right now in real time, please do. We will answer them um, on air. 
And you can find us on LinkedIn or YouTube at talkradio.nyc. And we'll be back with our guest in just a moment. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Bronthu, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome, welcome back to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronco and Dr. Rob Fazio. Now, um, we, we've been talking about bullying and we haven't defined it yet. So I figured let's get into what does bullying look like? What, how do you know it's happening? Uh, how do you know it's different than just like really high confidence, you know, or yeah. really driven behavior, a really ambitious behavior? What's the difference? So it it's it gets a little bit complicated because it's it is very subjective. So someone can treat you a certain way, and uh, I feel bullied, but you don't. And that's why so much is important around your own ownership and and knowing the difference and being able to protect yourself. So let me look here about something. I don't think that anyone should suffer at work, and I don't think anyone should be bullied. I do think sometimes we use the word bully um, too sparingly. And then once we use the word bully, it almost gives more power away and we go into more of a victim mindset. So the way I define bullying is it is or, or a bully. It's someone who consistently tries to win in situations regardless of the costs or consequences. So they're very self-focused. Um, it's their own agenda. And they really aren't concerned about other people. So a good differentiator, but not the only one, is to think about intention and impact, right? Is this person's intention only for them to win? Um, and is the impact they're having on them that they're demeaning someone, 
or they're hurting someone. There are also a lot of legal definitions around bullying, um, but I leave that to the politicians and the lawyers and all that. Um, and the, the, the other thing to realize is that there are also alphas in this world that are extremely important for business and life um, and home life. And these are people that will take the lead in situations, whether or not they're the subject matter expert or the identified leader. And that doesn't make them bad people or, or have poor character. And I think that um, an alpha that is aware and adaptive, they're gold and they're really important. And we want to create alliances with those type of people. But it's the people that I've seen over the time have either suffered from insecurities or um, uh, oftentimes they do have a tinge or have narcissism um, where it's these patterns of very me focused and and they do these things. I will say that in, in our research, in our work, um, a, a large amount of people don't even realizing that they're engaging in bullying behavior. So what I focus on is the actual behavior and not demonizing a person as being a bully. Sometimes it does get to that extreme where I, there's a character issue. But the reason I say that is, um, Mir, you and I engage in bullying behavior, but it's a matter of how consistent or intense that is. And if we come aware of it, do we try to stop it or shift? And so uh, in the book, there's a, there's a, a chapter seven, which is called, wait, am I a bully? Which is my favorite because people will come to me. The surgeons are, are classic, love my surgeons, but they'll be like, oh, Rob, I'm so glad you wrote this book. You know, my, my supervisor, the chief of surgery definitely needs to read this. I'm like, Joe, read chapter seven first before you do that, right? <laughs> Check yourself, like take a look at yourself. And that's some of the most rewarding work, right? If you catch people in the act of being themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I have a million questions here. Okay. First, um, you mentioned alpha and you separated it out from, um, in, in how I think about it, there's like good alphas and bad alphas, the bad alphas with the bullying behavior and the good alphas who like, um, you say like become aware of the behavior and then adapt. Yes. Is that kind of how you're thinking about it? Yes. Yeah, so what um, what I wanted to do is to have someone of a roadmap for people. And any good some consultant loves their two by twos, right? So if you think of, of, of two dimensions, awareness and adaptability. So someone who is unaware and non-adaptive alpha, they are the ones that typically are thought of as bullies because they don't know their consequences. They're not aware. Um, and then moving up to are aware adaptive alphas they're the ones that are say the best because they know they take charge of people um, and they may intentionally be provocative or something but they're going to be they're going to be aware of what they're doing and they're also going to be aware of their impact and others and also how to make those shifts so what i try to do is give those four quadrants or those four types of alphas. So then you can determine which type of what I call strength style or communication style you use to influence. Mm. Um, so now let's take some real specific behaviors. Okay? okay. And I started like writing down like the kind of bull the kind of behaviors I feel are bullying. Yes. And I actually uh, pulled this out from my own uh, Millennials Guide to Workplace Politics book. So awesome. some of it is being dismissive of other people, 
um, being invalidating, um, belittling and insulting. Yes. Right. Um, If you, what does it look like when you have an aware adaptive alpha who is doing this versus an unaware non-adaptive? Yeah. So I think the aware adaptive alpha isn't going to do all of those things. And if they do, someone is going to feel comfortable enough to give them a heads up to say, hey, look, this went off. Would you mind having a conversation? They're willing to do the repair. They're willing to look at themselves. They often catch themselves and the next time won't do it. Um, And they'll also make intentional strategic decisions and say, you know what? I'm actually not being dismissive. We'll talk about it. But this person does talk too much. I'll have a side conversation with them and let them know what my intention is and what I'm doing. All that good leadership type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So they're open to the feedback. They act on the feedback. They're intentional. They communicate about their intentions. If they make a mistake, they admit it and they try to correct it. Um, If someone who is an unaware, non-adaptive alpha uh, or someone who is engaging in bullying behavior, um, the first thing is um, a lot of them are thinking they're helping others through their behavior. So Mira was working too slow. So I just cut her mic and I finished the meeting for her. Right. Um, you know what? Um, Mira doesn't speak up enough. So I just go to Sue and I don't call on Mira anymore. Or like, you know, Mira said the same thing three times. So when she says that, I don't even, I don't even address her. Right. The ones that, um, that are worse, it's when they know what they're doing and they're using their positional power, their personality, or oftentimes even physical presence to intimidate people on a consistent basis. And they're very, very good at being like, well, you know, I guess we call it gaslighting now, but it's like, well, why did you feel intimidated? I, I wasn't intimidating. Um, I had once had an executive yell at me uh, because feedback came and said that he was intimidating and he banged his hand down on the table and said, I am not intimidating. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I'm experiencing your feedback, you know? Um, so the difference is there is there's, often a lack of awareness, but they're not willing to do the work and and they're just so self-focused. And they're really difficult people to turn around. Not that it can't be done, but it is not an employee's job to change such a deep-rooted pattern of behavior. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to now ask the obvious questions. Yes. What do you do about those most like intractable bullying behavior folks. Like, what do you do with that? Yeah. You watch the hard skills podcast on Fridays and try to see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So um, there, the, the, the first step, um, which is oftentimes an unpopular one is around ownership, taking a look at yourself, taking a look at what's going on and asking yourself a tough question, such as, Am I in any way contributing to these behaviors or this pattern behavior? Um, And the reason that's a tough question is because we know we don't want to blame the victim. However, we also don't want to create more victims just because of what someone else is doing because of whatever issues that they have. So that's the first step is, is to look ourselves. I think then we need hope, support, and a plan, right? We need to have some hope that we can change this this situation. The support is 
building alliances, um, having conversations with colleagues that you trust or friends, getting that support, talking it through, uh, getting advice, identifying and building alliances with aware adaptive alphas. The more senior they are, the better they are at mitigating the bullying, the bullying behaviors. And then having a bullyproof plan, right? Having a plan of what you're going to do, conversations that you're that you're going to have. Um, what I'll also say is some of the, my favorite work on successful intelligence done by Bob Sternberg, where he looks at practical intelligence. Um, I, I really like that. So I I I like to simplify things and summarize as fit, fight, or flight. So if you're in an organization, you're getting bullied. If it works for you and it's not a big deal and you could deal with it, great. It's dysfunctional. But if you could deal with it and you're being successful and it's not harming you, other people, fine. Then it's it's fight. If you don't like what's going on, you try to change the environment, try to change the person through the alliances and, and different strategies. And if that doesn't work, you've got a tough decision. And it might be flight where you have to work for a different boss, go to a different organization. I know that is very difficult, especially for people who are supporting families or themselves, but it's much more difficult to recover from a, a lifetime in a career of getting bullied behavior because now you're going to become more timid. You're not going to get your point of view out there. Um, and you've got to do something where you can re-engage your, your best self. That's a lot of really good advice. So... After we come back from the break, I am going to dig in even more into um, some of these ideas that you shared. So um, we're going to take a pause there, though, and take a break. As a reminder, you are watching the and listening to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Branco, and our guest, Rob Fazio. The Hard Skills airs live every Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern. If you'd like to join us um, online and ask questions of us, please do. And we'll be right back with our guest in just a moment. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
Welcome, welcome back to the Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku, and with my guest, Rob Fazio. Okay, so um, when we left off, you gave us a lot of ideas for how to address bullying behavior. The first is to look within, and the second is to um, sort of gain, you know, gain alliances, support, um, gain the, the hope necessary that things will get better create a plan and some ideas around that plan. Now I'm going to go backwards into looking inwards first. Um, the way that, that you were uh, describing it started uh, me thinking about uh, two ways that um, I often work with people around looking inward. And one is, um, are you holding people accountable for their behaviors as a leader, right? Like if you're the leader of a bully, um, sometimes I have leaders with just super nice personalities. <laughs> Sounds like, you know, different from some of your experiences, maybe, <laughs> but they're like all the way on the other end of the spectrum, which is just as destructive. They work so hard yeah. to get along that they are dismissing really bad behavior and it's having such a bad influence on the rest of the team because you're not holding people accountable. That's one way to look inward, right? The other is that um, we don't often realize how much we train other people to behave in certain ways towards us. And sometimes we um, don't put boundaries. We say everything's okay. We don't say anything about it. No problem. It's okay. We'll figure it out. And that's the message that people get. And they think it's not a problem. So. is there any other stuff around like looking inward that you have found when you're working with leaders to think about um, that they might not realize is perpetuating an issue? I, I think the one that is most popular is that uh, this comes from um, Tony Smith, who is a late colleague of mine. He used to always say, uh, never hint in hope as a leader. And so Oftentimes, leader would be like, you know, uh, Mira, you're doing great, and it'd be awesome if you just rounded out the edges, right? Okay, great. Hit your numbers. Okay. And that person just got permission to continue to be themselves. So I see that a lot. I also see a lot of the rationalization of the behaviors, right? So I've had countless times, um, there's an executive team, there's a senior executive who is a great leader and a really kind person. And there's a person or two that is completely dysfunctional, bullying, people leave the team, but the business really likes Susie and Susie's an all-star and the business doesn't want to see it, doesn't want to hear it. And the leader isn't willing to influence upward and to take a stand Um, to say, we need to let this person go. It's not appropriate. And we all know this. Then your, you know, your A players become B to C players. And then it just creates havoc and dysfunction. I see that a lot and it's unfortunate. So I think the message there is that, um, it, it, it's, uh, I don't know what the, the metaphor is, but it's like, if you, if, if you're trying to hide something, let's say you're really stressed out and you've got an eye twitch. It's not a neurological thing. Just, you've got an eye twitch. This goes back to my sports psychology days. I was working with a swimmer and I had, I was really stressed out about taking the juries and I was working there on performance and anxiety. And I said, you know, we all have target organs and like your stomach, your eyes. She's like, you mean like your eye twitch right now? So immediately into my, my awareness, 
where we all have these things that that can stress us out. And, and looking inward is about being aware of when we feel those things. For me, when someone is controlling or bullying, I get I feel tightness in my throat. To be aware of that and to know, okay, something isn't right here. And um, I think gone are the days of just being aware or okay. We have to take more action. We have to advocate. But we have to do it in a way that people hear and receive as opposed to going to this attack or avoid type of uh, approach to communicating. Yeah, I really like that because, I mean, I do think that sometimes we honestly don't know that we're having a negative impact until somebody tells us. And other people are sometimes afraid to just be honest that your behavior is affecting people negatively. Like it's a hard conversation to have, right? To to share that. And at the same time, um, I totally agree with you 100% that one of the most common um, experiences that I see um, and we think about this often when when we work on team development, right? When 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 we think about team development, you have the productivity side, people who are results oriented, and you have the relational side, people who are super, you know, um, um, interested in creating a healthy, um, warm, welcoming environment and cohesive, right? But you need both for yes. high achieving, you know, high performance of a team. You need both. And sometimes we overemphasize one over the other and none, none of the overemphasizing is good. When you overemphasize relational stuff, then you don't necessarily hold people accountable and you let things slide and you don't get the results that you want to see because you're over supportive in some ways of all kinds of behaviors. When you're overemphasizing the productivity side, the results side, you're underemphasizing how important it is to get along and work with other people. And this, this side, the productivity side is where we often see that people say, well, he's such a high performer. She's such a high performer. We can't let it go. You know, like everything else will suffer if we let this one person go. Well, that's not true. Everyone's leaving. They're fleeing, you know, because of the environment that this one person produces. Um, But um, maybe that person doesn't even know, like, they're just like, so into the results and so into like, you know, um, speed mode, getting things done that they're not realizing they're leaving all kinds of dead bodies in their wake, you know? Yeah. And it's, and those are excellent points. You know, um, I call it retired in place, right? If you've got a leader or a group of people on a team that are so performance and results driven and alphas and just driving, well, what happens to people that are less so aggressive or don't have that need to always give their point of view. Well, they stop giving their point of view. So now you've got a team that isn't adding value altogether. So in those situations, you try to teach what I call someone who has an elevated performance motive, which can be very functional, um, is to manage that and pull use it to pull people in. So we're going to get performance through our people. What do you do? Tell us more. Yeah. So the, 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 so I use this, this tool called the motivational currency calculator, which gives people, uh, three things, recognition of what their motivators are, um, reading, which is the ability to read cues in others, and then leading, which is how you adapt. And so this is based on David McClelland, who was a Harvard psychologist years ago, all of his research on social motives. And so there's, um, there's four motivators or drivers, performance, people, power, 
and purpose. And um, unlike most psychologists, uh, we didn't use boxes or colors. There's no forced choice. You can be a constellation of these motivators, high, medium, or low. The people that we work with often are going to have a very elevated performance motive. And in this assessment, if there's an absence of a people motivator or a purpose motivator, that's dangerous because this person will just run amok and just think that they're driving and everything they do is good. So we teach them to try to do is to be curious, to leverage other people that have a high performance motive, but also are really good on the relationship side or people side. The biggest thing is to get through them, you have to demonstrate the value of them going through some pain to change the way they typically already behaved. So oftentimes yeah. that comes down to how can they make more money if they ramp down on the performance motive? Got it. Yeah. So, um, you know, that that does address one question I had about like, why, why would a bully want to change their behavior? And one of those reasons is try to figure out what their motivator is. If their motivator is trying to get some specific result, right. Uh, performance result, then like lean into helping them do that, but help them figure out, you know, how to do that in a way that um, enhances their performance through people, for example, as another, you know, somebody else's motivator. What's what's been uh, shocking to me, and it's just as common, is I'll have the perception. Let's say I'm I'm working with I don't know investment banker, hedge, whatever, a, a, a stereotypically alpha type of um, role, and they're they're burning through you know junior bankers, clients, whatever, and we'll do this this assessment, and I'll be like, I'll be like um, Sue, I don't get it, like. Your purpose motive is is higher than your performance motive, but you come across as this like dictator and authoritarian. Like, why are you doing that? She's like, well, I've got three kids. I've got to show up this way so people respect me. And um, and then once they understand that, I, I need you to show a little bit more of that purpose, right? Not you don't have to talk about your family, but I need you to demonstrate that you care for others and you care about the organization and you want other people to make money. Just a, a ten degree shift. And I think people will give you even more respect and you'll get more out of them. Hmm. That's really good. You mentioned since, since you mentioned, um, you know, being a woman in, in that kind of space um, yes. where she's trying to show up in a certain way. And obviously my interest area is women in leadership. Yes. Sometimes um, women are kind of dissuaded for e from even leaning into, I mean, they're, they're judged more harshly for bullying behavior, but also they're dissuaded for even leaning into positive alpha behavior. And I'm sort of curious what your thoughts are on that. Well, um, I am, I think that women need to be all in and we need more women owning their alpha. Um, I, I wrote an article, I don't know, maybe four years ago on the importance of the alpha female. And it's the only article of people have written that have wrote that I wrote <laughs> over the years. <laughs> for some reason it, it struck a chord and I got a lot of, people asking about it and such. I think what happens is because we've all coached executives and executive women and they'll get feedback on get better executive presence. And it's like, well, what, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Do you want, you want them to argue like the men that are being idiots right now? Is that what you want to see? Right. <laughs> so women, right. women naturally um, that are alphas um, are more naturally from, in my view, predisposed 
to be effective because they counteract the blind side of being a pure alpha with their stronger interpersonal skills that we know from emotional intelligence, such as reading cues in others, being more collaborative, bringing others along. It does not mean that men cannot engage in these behaviors. I just see more women, whether it's social, biological, whatever, are more um, naturally able to do that. And I think we need to encourage women to do that. And so there's about five or so tips I have in the, the chapter on the importance of alpha women on things like don't apologize every time that, that you speak or say something that might be unpopular. Um, or another one is don't just take on initiatives that are about gender. Diversify so people don't just see you as a woman advocating for women. Mm-hmm. Those are really good. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate your um you know comments on the fact that um there there is something about women who uh, end up having these you know alpha characteristics because of the fact that they've also learned how to navigate a lot of usually a lot of adversity a lot of yes. um sort of narrow band of acceptable behavior and so they're really attuned to people's reactions and that emotional intelligence comes into play in a way that is kind of unique um, for women who have gone through that. So, yeah. Yes, that, that that's absolutely true. The path is more challenging. However, they're better equipped because of that. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay, we're nearing on another ad break. So we're going to come right back after um, these ads. And um, if you have any additional questions, this is your last chance online to add them, then um, uh, we'll come back in just a few moments. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc, Fridays at noon Eastern, and Intangify your business today. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
Welcome, welcome back to the hard skills with me, Dr. Mira Branku, and our guest, Dr. Rob Fazio. Um, we've been talking a lot about bullying behavior. The one thing that we haven't touched on that I did read in your book that I find fascinating is this idea of subtle strength. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about this. What is subtle strength? Yes, that was actually the initial uh, title of the book, but Bullyproof uh, tracked much better. It was a little little more fun for people. Um, So we talked about the different types of alphas, which is great on the identification, but then it's kind of, that's what you view, but what do you do? And so subtle strength is one of four strength styles. Um, And there are a bunch of free quizzes people people can take on getbullyproof.com where you learn what your natural tendencies are around influencing and communicating. So I mentioned the whole idea of attacking or avoiding, which people get pulled into. So there's a continuum of communication styles or strength styles, as I call them, that ranges from submissive all the way to dominant. And submissiveness and dominance is where you get in trouble. And that's where the bully wants you because they can win in dominance because that is their ring where they fight. And if you're submissive, great, you just roll over. But the two in the middle are subtle and overt. Overt is just very similar to what you think of when we say natural, like assertiveness. Subtle strength is the one that I think has been the most fun to work with. And I define that as intentional influence through using calm confidence that demonstrates both respect and backbone. So when people go to influence someone that is difficult, I think that they forget that um that they need to be very strategic, not getting pulled into something, and they have to have backbone. You can't just roll over, but you also have to demonstrate respect because at the moment that you try to influence a bully or an alpha or something, and they don't think that you respect their ambitions or what they're doing, they're going to shut you down and double down on their their bully. Um, and Mira, I also forgot to mention one other framework. Can I talk about the, the deals framework really quick sure. that I think is helpful? So there, yeah. uh, I, I use this acronym deals and the whole idea mindset wise is to actually try to get on the same page as a bully uh, because they are so used to getting pushed away and, and being isolated. And I learned this when I first started working with doctors. You've always got to let them tell their story if you want to get somewhere. Let them go first. Be the bigger person. So DEALS stands for depersonalize, empathize, align, look for the hook, and show subtle strength. Let me focus on the first three, and then we'll, we'll move on from here. The first three are the most important because they're the toughest. Depersonalize is the hardest and I get triggered by this all the time. And sometimes my wife has to remind me, like, read that chapter. Because if someone treats you a certain way, like if there's a soccer parent, like yelling at your coaching, what you're doing, it's like, I'm volunteering here. You can get triggered and take it personally. What you don't realize is that person might have a bad day or that person might be a little nuts. That's the hardest thing to do. Then the empathize. Empathizing with that person's situation doesn't condone the behavior but letting them share their story, what's really important to them is critical. That changes the dynamic and then aligning or even agreeing with something that that bullying is doing um, really helps helps you develop a relationship with someone that isn't used to people being patient to build relationships with. I love that because um, I, it makes me think a little bit about that book, Getting to Yes, where yeah. um, it's all about recognizing that if you take a position 
and you dig in your heels on your position about what you think is the right way to go. Yes. It's over. The conversation's over before it started, right? And what you're saying is don't like, just let your position go for just a second. Yes. Open to the fact that whatever this person is going through is what they're going through. It's their thing, not yours. And then try to find a window window of opportunity where you can find some connection. Yes. And that opens up other opportunities that you, you hadn't, um, you wouldn't have allowed yourself to open up because you had previously taken a position, right? Precisely. Precisely. Because you, you know, you have this angst towards that person or that bully and you're not thinking of collaborating. You just want to defeat them, but they're better at fighting. They just are like the worst, the worst advice is what do you do when a bully punches you in the face? Punch? No, they're going to bury you. You've got to figure out how to dodge and weave and, or have someone else punch them. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, dodge, weave, dance. Right. Yeah, exactly. Dance, right? Yeah, right. Let's, come on. Yeah. Let's, let's dance this way. <laughs> or get out of the ring. One of them. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, as we're closing out, I would love to hear a little bit more about your nonprofit as well. And while you um, share with us, I'm going to also share um, with those of, of um, the folks who are watching now or later on on video, I'm going to show your um, websites, including the um, Hold the Door website. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I started out talking about how I got into this business was about my dad and working in New York City. Um, and unfortunately, he was in the Twin Towers on 9-11 and he was last seen holding the door to help people. He didn't make it home, but we found this purpose in his legacy and his kindness of holding the door to help people. So we develop resources where we try to help people grow through loss and adversity. We've got an assessment that help people understand what resources buffer trauma and, um, and the negative aspects of trauma and help you actually grow through the experience. And it couldn't be more important than, you know, what our country or all the, the world is going through right now with the recent uh, terrorist attacks and, you know, just everyone, um, taking a look at themselves, hugging their loved ones and realizing that we're all responsible for our own growth. And one of our big philosophies that also works in leadership when it comes to bullying and everything is you've got to do work on yourself before, during and after crisis and difficult situations. Because if you do that, if it happens again or happens to someone else, you're better prepared and it and lessens the intensity of the impact of the crisis or trauma. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and um, I'm I'm so sorry that you lost your father in this way. And what an amazing way to carry out his legacy to help and support others through this. Um, that's just yeah. incredible. Thank you. We're 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 grateful that we have such a powerful story, and you know, uh, feel very fortunate about that. Yeah, yeah. And so, what is the one thing out of all of the things that you've been sharing with us today that you want people to take away from today? I want people to get really passionate about elevating others, um, even when you're feeling down. So even when you're at your worst, think outside yourself and think, who can I help grow today? That's wonderful. Yeah. The the one thing that I think um, I took away from today. Okay. I took a lot of things because you know, like everybody, everybody knows I write a lot of stuff. <laughs> However. Um, I think we kept coming back to um, 
and I'm going to say it in my own words. Sure. Um, but know where you stop and someone else starts. Okay. Meaning understand yourself well enough to know what you're bringing to a situation and what to do with that intentionally and thoughtfully and where someone else is perhaps bringing their own baggage, their own yeah. stuff and, you know, um, what, what to do with that. And it's not that obvious. It's not that easy. It takes work. And like you said, even through your work through hold the door, it's all about like, you know, before, during, and after the work that needs to be done. Yes. And just one more quick thing. I, I think we travel through space thinking that things are supposed to just happen and be good. And if you don't do the work on yourself, we're going to fall behind each of us. So that's why, and, and it's so important to have a good crew of people around you and friends yeah. like you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. So um, if people want to learn more about your work, where can they go? So the easiest thing is just to go to getbullyproof.com. There'll be all sorts of free resources there, uh, downloadable worksheets. Uh, that's the best spot. Or LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn as well. Excellent. All right. So there are many things that we've pulled out from today's talk with Rob. More importantly, what is one small change that you can implement this week, our dear audience, on what you learned from Rob? Share it with us on LinkedIn, um, at Mira Branku or Rob Fazio and at talkradio.nyc so we could cheer you on. And um, yes, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, all over the place. But LinkedIn sounds like is where both Rob and I live. So visit us there. Um, we're also, the hard skills is now officially on YouTube. Um, actually, sorry, on U um, iTunes and Spotify as an official podcast. So right. if you like this, please uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, share with others to help us increase our visibility, reach, and impact. Okay, next Friday, we are uh, talking with Nori Jabba. Um, this is our season finale next Friday, so please do join us. And she will share with us her experiences about entering the workforce after taking time off to raise her young children and how she's transcended ageism and generational gaps um, to redefine success for herself. So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, remember, this is a radio show and podcast. While yes, I'm a clinical psychologist and organizational psychologist, and Rob is a counseling psychologist and organizational psych psychologist, we are not your coach and your consultant. If you would like leadership and team coaching services, you can check us out. You can check me out at gotowerscope.com and submit a request for us for free initial consultation. And thank you, Talk Radio NYC, for hosting. I'm Dr. Mira Branco, your host of The Hard Skills, and this was Rob Fazio. Have a great rest of your day wherever you're tuning in from. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader 
Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mara Bronku, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 